This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at infinitepotato.com. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm wearing a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. That monkey's my fly out of my butt. Now, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray. It's Sean. Shawnee, if you're feeling a little loose. Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame. And I've never been one to chase balls. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. And this is our Christmas special take two. Because we tried to do this last week and it didn't work out. We're going to try it again tonight. And what we're going to do is we're going to watch a Christmas movie, as we've done a couple of times in the past for Christmas. I think one year we did Gremlins and another year we did Santa Claus conquers the martians uh this year we're going to do one of my favorite christmas movies which is die hard and uh we can debate the christmas thing if you want to uh i mean we've got we've, we've got a two-hour movie to make commentary on and we've all seen it we've probably all seen it a million times well i think other than virginia you've only seen it like once right that's correct. I saw it for the first time for Wait You've Never Seen, and then I haven't seen it since then. Although I have seen Die Hard 2 and 3, I think, but I've only ever seen them once. That's the Holy Trilogy. There's two others after that, but you, I can take <laughs> them or leave them, but the, that's the Holy Trilogy. Die I also Hard, haven't watched one, it from start to finish I feel like since you have strong out. opinions really? on this, Sean. What? What do you say? I feel Virginia? like you have strong opinions on this. Die Hard, I will say. Well, let me let me introduce everybody. Okay, Tom is here. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. Uh, you heard Virginia. She's here. How's it going? Hello. Uh, Rick is here. How's it going, it's sir? KIA. <laughs> and Neek is here, but she may not be speaking very much tonight. But hello, Neek. <laughs> Hi. I'll keep my voice low. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so so I will say before we start the movie, Die Hard, that franchise is one of my favorite action movie franchises. And for a couple of reasons, I, I feel like a lot of the action movies that we got throughout the at least the first half of the 90s were all trying to be Die Hard. Die Hard came out in 1988. And there's a lot of action movies that when critics try to explain what the movie is, they always describe it as die hard on a blank. Like Under Siege was die hard on a ship and Speed was die hard on a bus, you know, and, and, and a lot of those, 
if you go back and look, a lot of those scripts were actually written to be sequels to Die Hard and then got put in development hell for so long that they ended up just being made as something else. I think Speed was one of those, was originally conceptualized as being a, a, a Die Hard film and then got made into something else later. But um, so, mine. and it's also one of the first action movies that I saw. Because when 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 Die Hard came out, I was eleven, and uh, so I, I didn't see. Obviously, I didn't see it in theaters. My parents weren't taking me to R-rated films. My parents my parents let me watch a lot of stuff, but they weren't going to take me to an R-rated film, and um, and I was not allowed to watch the, watch it when it came on like HBO or Showtime or anything like that. So it was a couple of years later. I was probably twelve or thirteen before I saw it for the first time, and I saw it on television like the edited the edited for TV version where all the curse words were cut out and stuff like that. And uh, I watched it and I just, I was like, this is a great movie. <laughs> and uh, so, um, and over the years, it's just become one of those things where I, I, I watch it. I watched Die Hard, the first Die Hard film, I watch at least once a year and I consider it a Christmas movie. So I usually watch it around Christmas. Um but uh, what about the rest of, you, rest of you, Tom? What was your history with Die Hard? Uh, I can't remember how when I first saw it, but um, it definitely falls in that Christmas movie category. And, you know, you get the warm, fuzzy feelings from it. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I've seen up to the first four um, of the franchise. I haven't even caught the fifth, but. Good film, good series. The film, the fifth one is the only one that I've only seen once. I saw it in the theater. My son and I went to see it when it came out, and I mean, it wasn't a Die Hard movie. It didn't feel like a Die Hard movie, but uh, well, I'll go into that later. Rick, what about you? You said you've only seen it once, all the way through. Yeah, I saw it when it was when it was in theaters. Eighty uh, eight. I was uh, twenty four. When no. Wait, wait. 84 i was no 88 came out 80, yeah i'm just yeah. i'm trying to do them <laughs> oh okay <laughs> 84 i was 20 so 88 i was 24 yeah okay. um I, I i remember liking it uh i get the references when you know like you know it's not new year's until hans gruber falls off the nakatomi tower and you know uh i i i enjoyed it i never really felt the need to watch it again uh it, it was it was just it was a it was an enjoyable film that really didn't make that big of an impression on me and now it's more a matter of the the uh, uh <laughs> the it's a christmas movie no it isn't fuck you fuck you <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I honestly couldn't care less if you think it's a christmas movie or not it's a good movie i don't mind watching it but it, it really didn't have that big of an impact on me nick have you ever seen it before Okay. Yeah, uh, I've seen it more than once, um, but I don't have any particular memories associated to it. It didn't make enough of an impression for me to sort of like Rick. I'm not sure I care either way. Yeah, I think (laughs) I think I think a lot of those kinds of things really depend on when you first saw them. Like I said, the first time I saw it, I was like 12, 12 or 13. So it had, you know, it's a and it was the first action movie that I had seen. So. Uh, so we're gonna what we're gonna do, and uh, if listeners, if you ever listen to one of our commentaries before, 
you won't hear the audio from the film on the podcast because we don't want 20th Century Fox to take the podcast down. So, <laughs> so uh, if you have a uh, copy of the movie or if you stream a copy of the movie, I don't think it's available for free anywhere right now. You'll have to, but you can rent it for like $2 or something like that. Um, we're going to start the film at zero minutes and zero seconds. And when, and I'm going to count to three and then we'll, and then say play, and then we'll all hit play at the same time so that we're all watching the film at the same pace. And then we're just going to, we're going to keep the volume kind of low because everybody's seen the movie before. We're going to keep the volume kind of low and we're just going to talk as the movie plays and we'll talk about the movie and, uh, and what's going on. And, you know, talk about other things, you know, how commentary works. And you know how Cosmic Potato works. We always get off the subject. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I like these kinds of shows because I don't have to edit anything because I can't edit it. If you edit it, you mess up the time, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so we're just I'm going to count to three. We're going to hit play. Okay, I'm going to say yeah. one, two, three, play. Okay, and then we're going to play on play. All right. Okay. So one, two, three, play. 20th Century Fox presents. I think they're still using this, even though no. it's Fox is all Disney stuff now. Well, they're also not 20th Century. Yeah, well, 21st Century Fox. <laughs> and we start with an airplane landing in a Obviously, not Christmas setting is <laughs> very oh. warm Los Angeles afternoon. And John McClain clutching his armrest. Um, hey, 80s hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is some 80s hair. We're not flying anymore. We're landing. This is my favorite part. Hey, you know what? I've actually done this because of this movie. It does work. <laughs> does what does it do? Is it just I don't know. It just you. helps you helps you kind of settle down a little bit. All right. Get, I've never, never done get, it, but I assume that's what it does. Yeah, it just kind of get you just kind of get settled in and not anxious. Well. Carrying a gun. Hey, if you were a plane. cop, you still wouldn't be allowed to have your gun on, on the plane. Did they, did they let you have your gun on the plane in the eighties? Could you have a gun? If you were a cop, as a cop, could you carry your your sidearm on the plane pre TSA? Honey, what? As a cop, could you carry your firearm on a plane before TSA? But he's not an LA cop. He's a New York cop. Quite possibly, because they're traveling. Smoking in an airport does another thing you could do in the 80s. <laughs> and, uh, it became a regular thing where and he got that bear out of the overhead compartment. Yeah. You yeah. ain't doing that. Oh, My wife doesn't Alan know. Rickman. You know what? I mean, I do ha I do have the Oracle available. I could... Could cops carry guns on planes? 
Okay. Internet says no. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that doesn't seem like something that actually happened. Yeah, because I there remember not... I, even as a kid, we had to go through metal detectors and stuff getting on yeah. airplanes. Nakatomi Plaza, the building that they used, was the 20th Century Fox, like their office building that was in Los Angeles. It was uh, the only the only building that they knew that they wouldn't have any restrictions about. Well, we want to fly a helicopter over it, and you know, we want to we want to be able to set off charges and blow stuff up. And they're like, well, yeah, well, it's our building, so we can do what we want. Mm -hmm. But there really were floors towards the the top of the building that weren't completed, so they they actually did do a lot of the filming there. Some of this stuff here that we're seeing here is on a set. So Nakatomi uh, Plaza in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's, Not in, it's New in York, LA. right? No, this but John yeah, this movie, is from New York. He's from New York, but he's in Los Angeles. He came to Los Angeles to see his wife, his uh, estranged his -wife. wife. Are they ex yet? They're, or? they're still no, they're still married at this point. Okay. I don't think they officially got divorced until after Die Hard Three. Oh, hey, look, it's. Passing the Bechdel test this early in the movie. <laughs> this may be the only the only time. <laughs> I think you may be right. Yeah. <laughs> the kitchen phone. Oh yeah. <laughs> you gotta oh, love that wood grain. That wood grain. Yeah. <laughs> More eighties hair. Bonnie, so that's the thing uh, that, you know, anytime you see someone doing 80s and it's all the neon and, and the leg warmers and stuff, it's like, mm, no, no, just get the hair right. And that's the 80s. And make it really, yeah. really brown and tan. Yeah. And wood. Well, there's a big difference. He's subtle. <laughs> oh, Richard Edlin. I didn't know he did this one. Argyle. Yeah. Um, so we were saying, listeners, to let you know, we, we started doing this and then it glitched and we had to start over. But we were saying that uh, Bruce Willis was filming moonlighting at the time that he made this and it was a big deal that um he was a comedic actor and they were making an action movie and they wanted him to be taken seriously so i was telling everybody that they uh they didn't put his face on the poster originally because they didn't want people to think that this was supposed to be a comedy but he also was uh having to he was having to film both things at the same time so there were days that he wasn't available uh, to film. So the, the, the part of Argyle and the part of Al, the cop got, um, bumped up because there was days that they needed to, that he wasn't going to be on set and they still wanted to film stuff. So 
Argyle's actually in the movie more because of that. Hmm. You're going to get a bad Uber rating if you keep uh, <laughs> asking me all these questions. <laughs> Smoking in a, in, a, in a limo, another 80s thing. Dude, nosy as hell. I'll be right back. The sepia filter over the whole thing is gone. Kind of annoying. He said he's got a six-month backlog of bad guys in New York. Don't tell Sharon either. We'll just tell him that she passed in the night. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Based on the novel oh, by Roger sure Thorpe. Um, I've read that novel. anymore. And you'd be surprised how close this actually is. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of differences, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in the book that does make its way into the movie. But um, in the book, the character's name is not John McClane. This afternoon is actually legal. And um, the, um, there's no he's also there. a lot older. He's like in his 60s. He's not going to see his wife. He's going to see his daughter. We're not going to pay uh, 500 bucks to have her. Well, pay. remember, originally it was going to be a, a Sinatra movie. She yeah. Didn't, she didn't die. Yeah, it was. Um, He was. So I don't know if you guys know that uh, Sinatra made a movie back in the 60s called The Detective. And Roger Thorpe had written that not had written the novel that, that movie was based on. And. uh and the novel that this movie is based on is actually a sequel to that novel using the same the same character. So when Frank Sinatra made the the detective, he had it in his contract that if they ever made a sequel to that movie, that he would be given the first chance to play the part or whatever. Well, he didn't realize at the time that it was going to be twenty five years before they <laughs> before they got around to making a sequel. And uh, and so contractually, they had to go and offer it to Sinatra, who at the time was in his 70s, I think, something like that. Um, it wasn't the movie that they wanted to make. They didn't really want to make a movie with an older guy like that, but they had to offer it to him. But they knew that he wasn't going to want to do it, so. So yeah, it would have been a complete a different kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think Sinatra, I think Sinatra was retired by that. I don't even think he was recording, he was even singing in the late 80s. So one of my arguments that um, that this is a Christmas movie is that most of the mu most of the songs that show up in the in the movie are Christmas songs, and the 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 thing that um, people that argue that it's not a Christmas movie always go to the fact that it was released in July, but Gremlins was released in July too, and people called that a Christmas movie. So.
I think the fact that it takes place at a Christmas party kind of yeah. leans it on Christmas heavily Eve, in favor yeah. of Christmas Absolutely. movie. And there's a big old Christmas tree right there. Well, and the message she leaves in a little bit with in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very 80s uh office <laughs> with the waterfall and and all that. Hey y'all, please look at the chat. Oh goodness. You must be John McClane. <laughs> yeah, foreshadowing. <laughs> There's uh, several floors under construction. You'll find out about that later. <laughs> Doing cocaine on the desk, that's another... 80s wow. <laughs> and I think he's still got something on his face yeah yeah this is the this is the uh, smarmy character that you're gonna you're gonna root root for seeing him die <laughs> at some point in the movie <laughs> Wow. Bon what's her last name? Bonnie B Bedelia, I think is her name. I think so. Um, yeah, I think I read that Bruce Willis saw her in a play um, when they were casting. And uh, decided that she would be good for the part. And he recommended her. I know her more from the. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Parenthood. She was she played one of the main roles on that show for several years. She was like the mom of all the adult kids. Married to Craig T. Nelson's character. Yeah, she looks really familiar. Yeah. Here comes the bad guys. What? You can't know that. It's just a truck going by. <laughs> You're a big shot in a in a in a company when you have your own private bathroom in your office.
I don't know where any of these places. I've never been to California. I don't know where any of these places are that they're talking about. So I've only ever been to San Diego. I know the the stereotypical. They do a skit a skit on Saturday Night Live that uh, people from California are always talking about how to get places like which. which roads to take to get places, which highways are the best. And you take the 405 to this place. And... So you, you guys like Bruce Willis better here, like him better bald. <laughs> hmm. Because once he went, once he went bald later on, he never. I mean, he's bald from then on, and and everything he did, he shaved his head and he just kept it that way. Which I think he, I think he thought that that kind of um, paused to his uh, like aging or whatever. Which I mean, shaving your head. Sometimes that can make you look younger just because it gets rid of if you're if you're balding or if you're going gray or whatever, it gets rid of all that. You were supposed to stay Speech in New time. York and not pursue your hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we commented on the kitchen phone. Now, don't forget the bathroom phone. Oh, yeah. Was he already hurt on his arm? I didn't notice. What, did he have a bandage or something on his arm? I didn't no, notice it, it looked like he had, like, some blood on his arm. Oh. I know that um, later on in the movie, I mean, we'll get we'll get to it uh, eventually. But there, there's it's a big deal in the movie that he's not wearing shoes. You know, the guy on the airplane yeah. told him to take his shoes off and squish his feet around and stuff. Well, when he takes his shoes off, that's when stuff starts happening. So he doesn't have his shoes on, and his feet get all cut up and stuff. Yeah. And uh, he's actually wearing shoes that look like feet. Hmm. So it. Uh, first the first kill. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's there's points of the movie when you'll you'll see his feet and they look bigger than they should be because <laughs> he's wearing rubber shoes that look like bare feet. In an action movie, they always have some guy that can sit down at a computer and figure out a a, a company's uh, system instantly. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he's a hacker. <laughs> Which means hackers, hack, hackers know everything about every computer immediately. Of course. Alan Rickman. Uh, this was Alan his Rickman. first movie. 
This was his first movie ever. He had been, everything he had done up to this had been like stage work and stuff. And uh, he was hesitant to be in this movie because he didn't want to get typecast as a villain, which he kind of did. <laughs> but it's because he's so good at it. Yeah, he does it well, so I mean, well. He did, he did some, you know, Jane Austen stuff that, that holds up pretty well. But no, yeah, he yeah, did yeah, for the stuff. most part, like Snape, hello, fabulous victim. Yeah. <laughs> the sheriff of Nottingham. Villain, villain, not victim. What am I saying? Oh, yeah, Sheriff of Nottingham. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. The spoon. And even in Love Actually, I think he was he was kind of the villain because he was cheating on his wife. He's not just a typical nerd. <laughs> He's an adventuresome nerd. Mm -hmm. We gotta have somebody stay down here and pretend to be a security guard. So all these bad guys are supposed to be Germans. Um, I think only like one of them were actually German. They were all picked because of how big they were. I don't know if and, you are, uh, sorry, noticing the music is like threatening Christmas music. Yeah. yeah okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Back to the Germans. No, they there he is without his shoes on. No, they just uh, they 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 tried to because uh, there's points in the movie where they're actually speaking German. They tried to learn enough German to do the lines and stuff, but I think that if you uh, if you're German and you translate a lot of the German that that Alan Rickman says, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, you kind of get the idea of what he's trying to say, but the words are all. It translates weird. Like Charlie Chaplin and the Great Dictator? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a scar on his shoulder. Oh, Is that's that what... probably what I was That's probably what I was seeing, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got to show that he's a cop that's done some stuff. They were talking about for a while making a TV series that was a prequel about young John McClane. And then it kind of went away. Um, COVID kind of put an end to it. I don't know what that guy was doing with, with the wires. I don't know why he was trying to, I got to get this done before he cuts through everything. Yeah.
nobody notices that. See those guys getting off the elevator with machine guns? No, I don't see anything. Hey, that doesn't sound right. I keep noticing the shoulder pad. There's a lot of shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah. No, that is something they did in the 80s. I've noticed that the shoulder pads have been trying to make a comeback, and I strenuously object. Like, <laughs> it was a moment in the 80s, let's let it die, because no. My daughter was asking me about shoulder pads the other day. I think she, we were watching something on TV, and she said... She said something about a woman on the TV. Her shoulders look like a football player or something like that. It's like you know everybody back then wore shoulder pads, right? All the all the women. Why well, the eighties were <laughs> just an echo of the forties? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it now was... we're in the twenty twenties, so we're forty years later. So yeah, yeah. Fashion is cyclical. Yeah. yeah. Everything comes back around. Don't step forward. I have to. They're going to kill everyone if I don't. <laughs> Not me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they um the um the bad guys in this when you when you first see them you're supposed to believe that they're terrorists and they're and they got some political agenda or whatever but then you find out later that they're uh that they just want money they're just thieves they're not really terrorists and um I think in the book they really were terrorists, but they decided that they didn't really want 
the movie to have like a political leaning or whatever. So they, they didn't want to do a terrorism movie. Probably a good call. Especially if you're wanting to I make mean, a, they, uh, a fun are, popcorn movie or whatever. They're terrorizing people though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they are terrorizing people, <laughs> but they're not actual like political leaning terrorists. Sorry, was that a guided missile? That's what it looked like it said. I know they come it, may, it, it may be the bazooka. I think they have a bazooka at some point later in the movie. Bruce Willis got paid five million dollars for this movie. Which was in nineteen eighty eight was a big deal. I mean, it's, mm. $5 million is a big deal to me anyway, but now leading actors get paid $20, 25000000 million for a movie. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> one of my favorite roles that Alan Rickman ever played was the uh, was in uh, Dogma. Oh, oh yeah, so good in Dogma. He, yeah, he was great wrong. in that movie. He was the he was the best part of the, of that movie, really. <laughs> He's really the best. Like um, um, Galaxy Quest. Oh my god. He is just like the best part of any movie he's in, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because there's a there's a movie um there's a movie called The Butler that came out several years ago. It's like maybe two 2010, 2011, something like that. But it's about a uh a former slave, I think he was a former slave, or his parent, maybe his parents have been a slaves or something like that, that ends up getting hired as a, um, as a, um, no, he couldn't have been a slave because they he would have been over 100 years old. Anyway, he gets hired as a uh, butler at the White House. And they, and they show his life uh, working at the White House under all these different presidents. But uh, Alan Rickman played Ronald Reagan in that movie. <laughs> okay, so they're wanting to get $640 million of bears bonds from a vault mm -hmm. that the computer controls. Right. Again, I haven't seen this movie in at least a few years and then only yeah. once. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but my wife is trying to get, she just got back and she's trying to get Jacob to go to bed. She has some more presents to wrap and he's still awake.
anybody that's listening to this, hopefully this is going to get released on, it'll be either be released on Christmas Eve or Christmas day, but right as we're recording it, it's uh, the day before Christmas Eve. Christmas Adam. <laughs> I always call it Christmas Eve Eve, but mm -hmm. Christmas Eve squared. Yeah, there you go. You'll just have to kill me. Okay. Oof. That was completely unexpected the first time I said, like, I thought they would torture him and drag that out way longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, um, they kill somebody about every 10 pages in the script in this movie. But yeah, that was, um, that was one that you thought that would last a little bit longer. But he said, you'll have to kill me. Okay. Trying to show that he means with business. All of the bargaining power. Yeah. I do not see things ending well for our hacker. He's very unlikable too, because he's just. I mean, I, I mean, obviously the bad guys are not supposed to be likable, but you can tell that he's not a killer, but he's like really relishing being involved with all this killing. Yeah. So what are we doing I'm here? Not, I'm not sure where all that steam is supposed to be coming from, but I don't think that's normal in building. Are they on the roof? No, they're just in a um, an unfinished part of the building. I think. Oh, okay. There's, I think they're in the, I think they're still in the basement. I don't know the way they're climbing around on the pipe. OSHA would not approve. No. What do you mean, out of your hands? Spoilers. Is that the safe? Yeah. It doesn't look like a safe. It looks like a mini bar is going to spin around from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talks to himself a lot in this. Well, kind of like Castaway. Either that or you've got a silent movie. Yeah, yeah. They, I read on IMDb that they had like 13 or 15 different undershirts for Bruce Willis, and they were all like in various stages of blood splatter and dirt and. Yeah. Deterioration. Smoke stains. Yeah. Stuff like that. And uh, and uh, 
after the movie was over, he donated one of his undershirts to the Smithsonian. So, <laughs> oh, thanks, yay! Now I know from my experience. My my dad was a firefighter for a couple of decades. Tom, I know your dad was was a first responder, right? Yeah, firefighter and paramedic. Yeah, so when the fire department is on their way to a place, if somebody calls and cancels the call, they don't just turn around and leave. <laughs> the protocol is that they have to go to it anyway to make sure that once you call them, they they have to go yeah. check. Yeah, <laughs> I thought. Yeah, they. I thought they had to send at least one one vehicle. To yeah, the, yeah, they can't. Maybe not the whole calls, contingent, but at least one. Somebody calls and says, "Oh no, it was a it was a, a wrong call or something. We don't need you or whatever." They don't just turn their sirens off and turn around and go back to the fire station because that could be an arsonist calling mm -hmm. and uh, telling them not to come. <laughs> I will be killing you now. Um, they tried to uh, they tried to darken the windows so that they could film some of the stuff during the day, but there was actual offices underneath them and stuff, and the the gunfire was very distracting. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So they ended up uh, only only filming at night after everybody had gone home. <laughs> Is that Bruce Willis's uh, actual tattoo or his character's tattoo? You know, I don't know. Because I can't remember if I've seen it in any other Die Hard movies. Because he usually winds up in an undershirt and all of them, so. You know, I can see how maybe, like, all of the violence and killing doesn't exactly engender the Christmas spirit, and that maybe <laughs> that's why people don't see it as a Christmas movie. Like, but I'm there's... really... I'm really one of those, I can see both, like, literally, I can see both arguments about why, yeah. it, yes and no. There are so many, like, uh, Christmas-themed violent movies, though, that are out there. That's the true. 80s, the 80s loved to make, like, horror movies that, that were about Santa Claus killing people and stuff. Yes. And there was one that came out... A, last year i think called uh violent night oh yeah with the... what's his name from uh stranger things yeah the guy that played hopper on stranger things uh, uh david something i can't remember his name now but he uh he played santa and uh you know he's like a he's like a drunk version of santa and stuff and he goes to uh some somebody's house to he's delivering presents on christmas eve and he, one of the houses that he goes to is being broken into by 
bad guys and stuff. So it's kind of like it's kind of like Santa Santa becomes the the action hero of the movie and he has to save everybody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a pretty good movie, you know. I liked it. If you like violent action movies, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's that. What easy. is his other? What is his other background besides being a cop? Because <laughs> this seems to be yeah. like pretty extensive for you know just cut. Co- like, does he have paramilitary experience or something? You know, they never they never say in any of the movies that he like was ever in the military or anything like that. All you really know about him is what he says in this movie that he was a New York City detective. So I. I in New York City, and maybe they maybe they put their detectives through boot camp or something. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, w- I would have really liked to have seen the prequel show that they were talking about at one point because uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that you could play around with with this character to to find out how he how he knows how to do all these things. Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho. Which, by the way, if you go on Amazon, you can buy that sweatshirt. (laughs) Her, her, her. Alan Rickman has such a distinctive voice. It's hard to do an impression of him. He always sounds like he's on the verge of an R, like an R sound. <laughs> her, her, her. <laughs> I saw uh, um, Benedict Cumberbatch on an interview, and he did an impression of Alan Rickman, and it was pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend climbing up elevator shafts at all. Yeah, that seems like a that seems like a a bad practice. Now, this is one stunt that he actually did do. He did ride on the top of this elevator car. I was working in an office and this is sometime in the nineties. I was, I worked for a temp service and they would send me around to different places to do odd work that they needed done. And uh, one of them was in an office building and uh, he, he had to stop. He had to stop and look at that calendar. <laughs> hey, check that out. Um, but I was, uh, I was standing waiting for the elevator one day in this office and I heard this sound of people in the elevator, it, it, it sounded like, uh, like that. 
And it turns out that like once every three months or so, they have to um, they have to take the elevator car the elevator car up to the top, and they have to let it go and test the brakes, or not test the brakes, but you know they have to they have to make sure that it, the brakes are going to work when there's people in it, right? Yeah. And uh, there were people on the elevator. There weren't supposed to be anybody on the elevator. And apparently it had stopped and picked somebody up and then they took it up and they dropped it. And what I heard was people screaming as it went down. Oh, God. And of course, I mean, it, it stopped and everything was fine, but that would have been uh, the last time I ever got on an elevator. Mm -hmm. <laughs> made it to the roof. Who is that? John McClane's so smart to be doing all this shit and he doesn't think that the bad guys are going to be eavesdropping in on his little radio message? Or is Yeah. that really just his only option at this point? Yeah, well, they had they cut the phone, so he couldn't he couldn't get on the phone and, and call anybody. So, yeah, getting on the radio. Well, he he knew he has to know that they're listening because he took the radio from one of them. So, So he's just rolling the dice and hoping they'll send somebody before he gets busted up here on the roof. yeah, yeah, and. And also, he's calling the police on that radio, but then she looks at her computer screen and there's a telephone number on it. <laughs> they shoot like stormtroopers. They should have hit him with the first shot. Enter Reginald Bill Johnson. Carl Winslow. Yeah. Like, what are you giving me shit for? You work in a gas station. <laughs> Tell me when you guys get to the fan part. <laughs> hey, Chris is here. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> He's been here a few minutes. I've been trying to sync up. I was about 30 seconds behind. Now I think I'm 30 seconds ahead. We're at uh, 46 minutes and 15 seconds. I'm 4704. So tell me when to hit play. Okay. Yes. We're, wa we're watching... Uh, John McClane on the roof right now. Right, okay. He just shot his way in. Thirty seconds, Chris. Gotcha. Hi, Tom. Hi. 
I came here just to disrupt the recording. <laughs> yeah, all these dudes are terrible shots. I mean, I yeah, realized I tell movie, you, stormtroopers. But five seconds, Chris. Four, three, two, one, play. Cool. We should be synced now. So yeah. intense. So Chris is one of the ones that thinks that this is not a Christmas movie. It doesn't mean I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll admit, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's just an action movie. It, it, most of the argument that I have about it being a Christmas movie I, is in fun, you know, it's just fun to have that argument. Yeah, but I have the argument just to aggravate you. <laughs> it, yeah, and it, but it is on one of my lists that I watch every year for Christmas. So, I don't but it's not usually ones. one of the ones that I watch like with my wife because she doesn't care about it at all. <laughs> all right, we get it, John. You like the picture. <laughs> I mean, naked boobs. What's not to like? I'm telling you. <laughs> what did I miss? Naked boobs? What? It was on a calendar. Well, yeah, he's passed that calendar twice. Oh, wow, I missed it. Missed it both times. Yeah, he's just you know so intense. I can't take my eyes off him. But I, I know it's a construction site and everything. But I really, in 2023, they wouldn't be allowed to have that calendar on the wall. <laughs> For a construction site, it's remarkably free of, you know, dicks being drawn on the walls. Um, that, true. Yeah, true. <laughs> I get a little... I, I've never been, like, in the bowels of a building like this before, so I don't know what the little tiny door is for and all that kind of stuff, but... I mean, I, I get he's crawling into the elevator shaft, right? That or maybe some kind of yeah. duct duct system. Because this right here where he tries to basically repel using his gun in the wind. I don't know how he thought that was going to work. That's his like it's, super intense and there. thorough cop training that taught him yeah. all of these things. That strap is not made to hold no weight. How do you know? <laughs> a nylon strap's a nylon strap. <laughs> My dad was in the military. He <laughs> talked about guns a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> actually we were watching this movie. I remember him saying, son, don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't. Next, Next time, time I'm, I'm trying to like, climb down on an elevator shaft, <laughs> I won't use the gun. That strap just keeps getting longer. <laughs> Imagine that. Wouldn't that break your fingers? I feel like it might.
now this is this is the famous the famous scene of John McClane crawling through a, a air duct. Um, just a so everybody knows, yeah, very clean. And but just so everybody knows, air ducts do not hold the weight of a human being. <laughs> you can't crawl through them. There's actually a, there's a movie uh, that Kevin James made a few years ago called Paul Blart Mall Cop. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of a it's kind of a comedic take on Die Hard because they kind of redo a lot of the tropes from this movie. But that's one of the things he tries climbing through the air duct and it doesn't work. It immediately collapses and he falls <laughs> exactly as he should. Miss. He shot everywhere except, <laughs> except where, where he was. was. Lucky for John McClain. Uh oh. If you poke where I am, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Why would they run away? Like, what message did they get? They know he's there. The police are coming. That's how it always happens. That's what they were saying. The policia. Oh, okay. I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. I have the the captions on. Ah, well, okay. They almost get to where the guy is, and and then they have to turn around and leave. That's, That's another action movie trope. Yep. Archer's like, done, a, done a couple riffs on Die Hard 2. Die yeah. Hard also, not Die Hard 2. <laughs> die Hard 2, Die, die Harder. He switched <laughs> to the brown uh, undershirt now. Is it is a different shirt or is it just that? I think it's filthy soil. for being in the ducks. Think, yeah. yeah. Even right. though the ducks were surprisingly clean. Right. You got to figure yeah. there's some oil somewhere in the ducks. use a lot of caution i posted a um a false looking uh an image on on christmas eve a couple of years ago it was an image of nakatomi plaza and it had like the cnn scroll at the bottom that says terrorists have taken over nakatomi plaza and all this kind of stuff and uh, my brother sent me a message and said that his wife uh, was scrolling through Facebook. And she said, oh, God, Sean just posted this thing about the, these terrorists. And she started reading him <laughs> a description saying, Nakatomi Plaza and uh, terrorists. And, you know, and it, he recognized a few of the things and said, you know, that's from a movie, right? <laughs> Is this guy supposed to be German too? And he's doing a southern accent that he knows how to do uh, he knows how to do American. Texas right? accent. I think yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. 
he's got the cowboy boots. Comes with more American cowboy boots. Yeah, it's a tough window. No means hurry. Chanel means hurry, yeah. Mach Chanel, Mach Why did why does Bill Johnson only play cops? I don't think I've seen him play in anything where he wasn't a cop. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like he just showed up in something that I was watching. I know in that uh in in uh, uh Invincible they go to Reginald Bell Johnson High School. See, that's how you shoot up at somebody. You're out of bullets, John. Got to get his attention. He's 71 years old. Reginald Bell Johnson. I, yeah. Up until I saw him in the thing I saw him in, and I don't remember what it was. I thought he had died. No, no, he's still around. No, obviously, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's doing a whole lot of acting. It was it was something where he was like everybody's dead. And he was sitting oh, on the Oh, he was couch. on Family Matters. Yeah, he was on Family yeah, Matters. Yeah, no, no, I know, but they were they were like playing on the fact that he's, you know, an iconic, oh, yeah, the iconic sort of father yeah. figure. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Argyle. <laughs> oh, Argyle. Yeah, could we work Argyle as like one of the reindeer? Could that be a name of a reindeer? And then this could be more Christmas related. <laughs> Rewrite uh, Clement Clark Moore, right? I'm too old for this. <laughs> oh, wrong franchise. Oh, uh, here's Mr. Uh, Mr. Dickless <laughs> from uh, right. Ghostbusters. <laughs> I feel like he was in um, Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Has anyone ever seen Looking for Mr. Goodbar? I may so. have. I, I might be confusing him with Ed Rooney, but I think it was him. The Diane Keaton movie from the 70s. It's kind of disturbing. Love this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's so slimy. 
Hans, Bubby. Did I miss that scene? <laughs> I don't think it's come no. up yet, but yeah, yeah he does ad lib that. Alan, when, when he when he says that, Alan Rickman looks at him really like really puzzled, and it's a genuine reaction because he didn't know he was going to say that. <laughs> Monkey in the ranch, C four. Listeners, if you're listening and we're not saying anything, it's because we've gotten engrossed in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing about doing commentaries is everybody just stops talking for a minute. <laughs> we're watching something. What is that statue, I wonder? They probably got it because it looked Japanese. <laughs> it's almost like um. See, I expected so much. Like was. having had that line built up for years, like I expected like explosions and things happen. I didn't realize it was just sort of a throwaway oh, kind of yeah. thing in, in the first. In the first say, he says it at the end, though, doesn't he? Yes. No, well, um, 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 Alan Rickman repeats it back to him later. And then it wasn't really until the second movie that it became like the catchphrase that he used uh, when at the end of every movie when he did, when he finally stopped the bad guy and everything. And then they had to stop it to get the PG-13 rating. Well, there was only one. Uh, the fourth one was the only one that was PG-13. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was just ridiculous. Like he was saying, getting a car came through a wall or something. Well, no, he had a gun. He he fired a gun. and mm -hmm. But they did, um, they did release an unrated version where that didn't happen. Where it wasn't like done over the dialogue. Oddly enough, the movie wasn't any better. <laughs> no, no. I'm telling you, this last two, I, I I said at the beginning that this is, Die Hard 1, 2, and 3 are the Holy Trilogy. But the, the second two, or the last two, you can take or leave. They're not great. Now, I, I have a theory. I don't know if I've ever discussed this with you guys. You guys. I think that um, Die Hard with a Vengeance takes place between Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2. Because Wait, which one, what number is Die Hard with a Vengeance? It's, it's the third one, the but third it takes one. place in yeah. the summer, somewhere in the city. And he's a drunk. He's estranged from Holly in that. And it seems to me like he sort of gets back together with Holly at the end of two. So in my head, it always took place between one and two. I mean, yeah, 
I, I mean, I guess that. I could. Yeah. yeah, that's. I'd have to rewatch them again, maybe in that order to see. I was like, if you if you if you get the, you can find it on YouTube. But if you ever watch the DVD of uh, Die Hard Three, there's uh, an alternate ending. That's, I mean, it's really it's a really stupid ending, but it's fun to to see because it's like. It takes place like six months after the end of the movie, and then uh, oh yeah, with the gun, with the with, John, with the rocket with the launcher, yeah, 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 yeah. It's and awful. he like he takes the the guide off of it, so you you don't know which end is the end that's gonna fire, and they play uh, Russian roulette with it or or whatever. He's got a lot of cigarettes. He just picked yeah. up a pack off of. Oh, he got another pack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They keep him more track of the cigarettes than they do with the bullets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were not all yours, Al. I think I might be a second or two behind y'all. I'm at uh, an hour, four minutes, and 27 seconds. Okay, John and I I'm almost 20, exactly six. 29, 30, yeah. 31. Yeah. It's at least two seconds, just two seconds. What do I know this guy yeah. from? This, Besides this guy every was in movie. everything in the 80s. Yeah. Was he Breakfast Club? Yes, he yes! is. That's right. Screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place. In real life, the FBI does not come in and just take over <laughs> a crime scene. But I also don't think that Al has the rank to be in charge of a scene like that. <laughs> why would they have their antenna up already saves time they're in a hurry this is a um an office where like the executives have a bathroom in their office and stuff, but they don't have a TV available that's not like gotta, a tiny little is, black and white. This is not the, you know, this is this is the eighties. Yeah, you know, the people I work with have TVs in their offices, and yeah, but I, I feel like that's a modern a modern thing. If you had a big old tube set, you had to bring in there and build it into a wall or put a piece of furniture up to put the TV on. It's just a little bit more trouble than it's worth.
they don't know what he looks like. So why would she be worried about like if there was a picture of him up? I don't. I understand her concern, I'm not sure if, but, you know. I'm not sure if, because there's a, a point later in the movie where he actually meets John. Yeah, So I'm yeah. not sure if he puts it all together until after he sees his face or, or not. Because it doesn't make sense if he does. Like, what the fuck with Argyle, honestly? Do what now? What'd you say? I... What's it like? Oh, now he finally catches on. It's like like bombs and explosions and bullets and cars crashing right behind him. But Lights he had the flashing. No, I get it. I, the, I know. But he's well, not he, the sensory no, he turned deprivation. Around, he was turning around backwards in the parking deck. <laughs> he turned around backwards in the parking deck and he had the music blaring and he was on the phone and all that. So he, he missed everything. But we'll also see in a little while, we'll see where they open up the back of the truck and an ambulance comes out of it. We saw inside that truck earlier in the movie, and there was no ambulance in the truck. <laughs> you just have like a list of all the everything that's wrong, all the bloopers. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I'm I looking am at <laughs> But a movie this old has a lot of them because they they didn't they weren't as uh they weren't sticklers for continuity like they are now. You don't have to call him, sir. You don't work for him. See, this is so dumb because it's a character being obstinate just to be obstinate. Yeah. It's like the straw man of straw men, you know? Yeah. We got three smokes left. If y'all hear some noise on my end, my wife is about to start doing some Christmas crafting and she's going to have her cricket going and it makes noise. I'm sorry ahead of time. <laughs> What's a cricket? I don't have enough. It's a, it's a vinyl cutter. It's a machine that cuts vinyl to, huh. to make, uh, you can do like to make and designs that you stick on. She makes ornaments with it and T-shirts and stuff like that. Wow, sounds extremely ambitious. <laughs> She's an ambitious lady. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't know what purpose locking off Chris. Those would serve in an office. It's not a bank. Yeah, you think they would have put those down before the terrorists got in the building? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's one of the terrorists, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. no, what I'm saying is, yeah. A lot of good they do of their... Uh... Anyway. Our guy's going to save the day. <laughs> the cops that are going to try and stop the guy, the bad, the bad guys are getting stopped by stickers in the bushes. Mm-hmm. Now that I can't remember his name, what uh, uh, he's he was in every action movie that came out in the eighties when they needed a Japanese person. Yeah, I don't know who he is. 
I'm so um, distracted by the guy who plays the the guard, the the fake American. Looks so much like Huey Lewis. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, this this scene where he uh, he takes candy out of the out of the case that wasn't in the script, but he thought that it would work. But he went and asked the director, "Is it okay if I do this?" You know, and the director liked it so much that he decided he actually had in the script where that character was supposed to die a lot sooner than he actually did. He let his character live longer because he, uh, because he liked it. Like I said, they killed somebody about every 10 pages in the script. It's panic fire. It's shooting the light. He hates these cans. <laughs> Virginia is so what you sent. <laughs> Put it in the car, in the car, in the car. I'm just saying, why are they bothering, like, like sawing through the locks? Just break the glass. Yeah. How are they finally able to hit things when they shoot? They, they have it, man. I don't think that's considered an RV. Since it's not recreational at all. Flippant. Maybe he means reconnaissance. Oh, reconnaissance would make sense. I thought he was Al, Al Leong. Al Leong is the guy that I was trying to talk about. The, oh. the guy with the big Fu Manchu mustache and long hair. Yeah, hurry, hurry. Oh, yeah, there you go. This sounds like the, you, they could took some some dialogue from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, that is a uh, that's a rocket launcher, right? I don't know. How do they have all this damn equipment? Yeah, I was thinking if they wouldn't have got acquired all of this equipment, they would probably have six hundred and forty million dollars worth of bear bonds. Yeah, 
Well, I'm assuming they stole all of it, but. Well, that was short-lived. <laughs> I'm sure a rocket launcher at that short of range would probably... There'd probably be a crater in the ground right there. Well, from the looks of it, they didn't need to do anything anyways because it wasn't getting up the stairs. Yeah, it looked like it was getting stuck. But they needed to make a point, guys. <laughs> Again, with wedging these doors Wait, open? Jesus Christ. Say, like, did we not learn the first time? I was going to say, do we have, they have one set. <laughs> they got to keep using it. No, like I said, uh, you weren't here, but a lot of this stuff was was filmed in the actual building. That that building that they used for Nakatomi Plaza is like an office building owned by Fox, and uh, and the they really did have floors that weren't finished. So they a lot of this stuff is filmed on location. The the. the office where the party took place was a set. Now this right here. Oh, he's got the C4 on there. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, Jesus. Did they blow up a, uh, like a, a building in Vegas for this? When they... <laughs> no, this is Los Angeles, but that's a miniature. That's a um, miniature. And they had to, they had to play with the, the speed that they showed it in to make it look r realistic. And he comes out relatively unscathed. Like, the fire was right there, man. Yeah. It's not even voice. like in a... It's not even foul. like in a... Yeah. It's not even like in a comedy where... Uh, we were watching uh, Jingle All the Way the other day. You know, the Schwarzenegger movie where he's trying to get the toy for his son. And his son is Anakin Skywalker. Um, <laughs> And there's a scene where Sinbad is... Uh, He's got a package because he's a, he's a mailman. He's got a package and he claims that there's a bomb in it. When it turns out there really is a bomb in it and it goes off like basically in the cop's hand and then they show him and he's just like, he's got some smudge on his face and his hair's messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah but it. then look at Moon Show where they were just all kinds of burnt up from the explosion yeah. smaller than that. Yep. Give me that. I keep confusing this guy with Shooter McGavin. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know his name on uh, TNG here. Castile, uh, this is um, Castile? Paul Gleason is the actor. Mm. Dwayne T. Robinson. Ha, <laughs> <laughs>
I want to talk to Al and nobody else. Oh. Bro love. <laughs> This cokehead. Yeah, I'm telling you. Another 80 stroke. Somebody's got to be just recreationally using cocaine all the time. He does have great hair. For the 80s, maybe. <laughs> that great hair is great hair, Virginia. So this blonde guy is the brother of one of the the dead terrorists. Yeah, the first one, the, whole, the, the yeah whole, the the one whole. that he wrote uh, ho 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 on his shirt. That's his brother. Okay. Yeah, and that's the other reason why I think now that I'm thinking about it uh, that Die Hard with a Vengeance takes place between one and two, because they refer to Hans Gruber quite a bit, and they always talk about that Nakatomi thing. If it happened after Die Hard 2, wouldn't they say that Washington Dulles thing, right? Because. Well, the Jeremy Irons is playing Hans Gruber. Hans that's Gruber's what I'm saying, but that's that that's movie. why I think the third one takes place after this one. And then the second one takes place after the third one. It could. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it could. They, um... I'm well, sure they, did that with, they did that with Highlander. I mean, they they did that exact thing with Highlander. The third one takes place between the first two. Did you guys know that they were coming out with a movie about Furiosa from Mad Max? I just saw that on IMDb. Yeah, and it's it's the chess girl from Netflix. Was Anna Anna Taylor Joy or Anya Taylor Joy? Oh, so, it, so Anya? it's not Is the that same. It's not the same. Uh, who was it that played played her in the first one? Um, Charlie's uh, Theron. Charlie's Theron. Yeah, yeah, Charlie's Theron. So it's not her. It's. I think it's a prequel, so it's her like younger. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, has nothing to do with Die Hard, but it popped up on my screen while I was talking. So. Okay. She was also in Witch, which was an amazing movie. Yeehaw. Oh, it might be something that he says here that tips uh, Gruber off who he is. I think he, I always thought he was sharing a little too much information over the radio about himself, but. Well, the fact that he has kids, a lot of people have kids. I know some people on this call who have kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of us do. <laughs> Wait, so how did he find out? Or is that yet to be revealed? I think, I think, I think he, fi he figured out. I think he figured out. And he said something about being a cop. I think he figured out that he was a cop. Oh, this motherfucker. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, cute. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. There you go. I've only seen this 40 times. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
why I can't answer these questions. <laughs> Capiche? My wife is over here laughing to herself or something. What are you laughing at? I don't know how I managed to misspell miss. Spell a shirt that has more words. Oh, I didn't notice. Was that advertise with that can like Coke Classic or New Coke or <laughs> had that happened yet I in '88? I don't remember. Coke. It looks like Coke Classic. And shut your mouth. Yeah, that is a Coca Cola classic. This has been a couple of years later, they could have had a crystal Pepsi. <laughs> Imagine like the last thing you taste is Coke. That's the saddest ending of all. Coke and Coke. <laughs> but What do you have against Coke? I just, any Coke. kind of soft drink. If I was going to die with a soft drink on my lips, it would be a Mountain Dew. Maybe a root beer. Yeah, Cream soda is pretty good, too. I root do like Mountain good. Dew. Mountain Dew, mm, no thank you. Root beer, it depends on what kind of root beer it is. I like A&W. I, I like A&W. Mug's I like pretty good. Mug. I like Barks. Um, I go to Not Barks. I pick some I picked some up at the store that was like the store brand or whatever. And it was like, it tasted like um, a liquid version of black licorice. Nah. <laughs> Deadly squat. Anytime you want to go home. If you was in charge, just say go home. I thought we decided this motherfucker is not in charge. Sorry, I'm hey, saying uh, I'm dropping the F. I get him I get him mixed. I get him I keep getting him mixed up with the FBI guy, but yeah, this guy is he he is our superior. Oh, okay. He, well, he works for the, the LAPD. No, the FBI guy is uh this is Paul Gleason. The FBI guy is played by William Atherton. He's the one Ooh, look from at that. He, he's the one from Ghostbusters that So he uh, is in here. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
No, the one in the Ghostbusters one... is the reporter. Yeah. Right. The... Oh yeah, 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 right. Okay, the... so who's the FBI guy? So it's not Paul Gleason. I thought it so... was Paul Gleason because the two too. FBI guy, the two FBI guys are they're both of them's last name is Johnson because it's Johnson and Johnson, and uh, Paul Gleason is playing uh, Deputy Chief Dwayne T. Robinson, so it's not him. Uh, Johnson. And look at the full cast. Okay, the two um, FBI guys are played by Robert Davi and Grand L. Bush. They're Big Johnson and Little Johnson. Get those detonators, Mr. Potter. <laughs> I don't believe you, John. You got that guy killed. <laughs> yep, yep. How dare you? <laughs> hostage terrorist terrorist hostage I've seen her in stuff too I feel like she was in Wolfen was she the one in Wolfen in what Wolfen it's a werewolf movie in... from the 70s oh no I don't know I don't know about that You're one nice but she was the uh, psychologist in Lethal Weapon oh okay <laughs> we were just discussing that this morning <laughs> Lethal Weapon is another Christmas movie. I don't know why it doesn't get the attention that Die Hard does. Yeah, yeah, that's the argument a lot of people say. Well, what about Lethal Weapon? Okay, put Lethal Weapon on the on the list. If it's a Christmas movie to you, then it's a Christmas movie to you. I've seen Star Trek Generations. And Johnson, the there, they are. there they are, Johnson and Johnson. And that's the yeah. bad guy from the Goonies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it sure is. <laughs> the opera singer. Yep. Not anymore. Yeah. Best known for uh, Die Hard, The Goonies, License to Kill, and The Expendables 3. Have you guys seen those Expendables movies? Oh, yeah. I have not. I haven't seen the latest one, but I watch, I did watch the first. Three. Are they fun? Are they any good? Yeah, I like them. I mean, if you if you like just big, over-the-top action, yeah. Why did he just leave his gun there? <laughs> Overconfidence. So stupid. 
Well, maybe he, need... he doesn't have a holster or something. Yeah, yeah, he needs two hands to rewire the uh, doohickey. No, please don't. <laughs> okay, so he now knows who he is, but he doesn't know the connection to Holly yet because he didn't see the family picture. Right. Right. Okay, okay. Yeah. And John does not know that that's him. Right. So this this scene was written was written late after like the whole script had been written. And this scene was written later because uh, Alan Rickman showed that he can do an American accent. So they had an idea for them to do this scene together. But most of it's mm -hmm. ad libbed. They just kind of put it all together. I've got to get my gun. Louise, one of mine. No way, it's oh, too complicated. Down the two, John. I'm not as convinced of Alan Rickman's American accent as uh, I guess the filmmakers were. <laughs> yeah. It still sounds very European to me. Well, it should, right? Because he's meant to be German. No, I'm saying he's supposed to be pretend. He's pretending to be American right now. Yeah, but the character is meant to be German, so he shouldn't be able to do a good American accent. Right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yes, it's called paintball. Not an eighty-eight. I had an uncle that played. Uh, why? Why would he give a civilian a gun? I'm confused. Well, at this point, at this point, he's on to him. Yes, this was the this was the exact how, reaction wait, did, I had. Why? why how did he get on to him? I'm confused. I mean, he handed him a gun that didn't have any bullets in it, so. But what was the clue? I, that... I, I, I don't know either. 
<laughs> Maybe he just I've recognized. Never been able to figure out at what I don't. I've never been able to figure out at what point he figured out who it was. The clue was the terrible accent. He may. <laughs> he may say it right here. Well, it could be also the way he's, he was wandering around. Uh, you know, he's gotten out of the area away from the terrorists. Yeah, you're big on counting the three. Well, at least John can hit something. Their Hanson hair is distracting. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a hell of a stunt. How many bullets does a machine gun have? As many as the plot needs, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Shoot the glass. Shoot the glass. He hates this glass. <laughs> Not Sam, huh? A lot of glass. Was that, his, was that the detonators? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Slimy reporter. Like the... I guess he's supposed to be like a takeoff of Geraldo or something.
<laughs> yes, his shirt is very dirty now. Ugh. I was telling Chris, you weren't on earlier when I was saying that um, in this, some of the scenes where he's running around with no shoes on, they actually made him some shoes that look, look like bare feet. Oh, really? Yeah. So that he could run around on glass and stuff and not actually get hurt. He wasn't wearing them there, but there's a couple of shots that you can see where his feet look like they're just a little bit too big. Like hobbit feet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh. We got to throw in the uh... Got to throw in Powell's uh, backstory here. The sad thing about that that story is that that actually does happen quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Cops mistake toy guns for the real thing. Beds. Um. Have they forgotten that the bad guys are listening? I was just thinking, like they realize <laughs> they're not on a secure channel. Right? Both the FBI and the bad guys are probably listening. Yeah. So now they know. Well, okay. So the LAPD is not in charge anymore. The the feds. I don't know what they could use with that, what they could do with that information, but. No, don't work that way. What authority does he have to say that? Right. Yeah, really. But there's absolutely a uh, a switch that he can throw down there that would just cut off the, 
the building. <laughs> but it's a it's a union shop, so he needs two guys on that switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the 80s the universal terrorist handbook only works when you're dealing with russians or libyans all right some big tovin that's nice Great musical cue here. More Christmas music. More Christmas music, Chris. Oh, to joy is not Christmas music. It's not, Chris yeah, <laughs> it's it's not Christmas music. <laughs> I never claim to be smart. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that you think of it as Christmas. It's, it's a great piece of music, regardless. Are there any Christmas operas, Chris? Um, Other than the Nutcracker, the Nutcracker is about no, no, it's not no, really. I think Deflator Mouse takes place at Christmas, and there are two operas that they play all the time at Christmas, but they're not like specifically Christmas operas. Yeah, they're family like operas. Die Hard, right? <laughs> yeah, I think Deflator Mouse takes place at Christmas. Deflator Mouse. Yeah, that's a German word, correct? Yeah, it means the okay. bat. Okay. As a matter of fact, if you watch the Tick, the cartoon version of the Tick, their analog for Batman is Deflator Mouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've never Special seen Big Johnson. <sighs> Mm. Now he's completely gotten rid of the dirty shirt. Yeah, because he had to bandage his foot with his, his feet, dirty yeah. shirt that's clearly going to get infected now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with all the grease and, and dirt that he got from the uh, very clean <laughs> air ducts. You tell you still. Tell her yourself.
It's just cringe. <laughs> this is uh Bruce Bruce Willis says that this is his, his the favorite his favorite character that he ever played. Of course, the fact that he went back and played him four more times, but a couple of those were just for a paycheck. He liked he liked John McClane better than David Addison. That's what he said. He grew to hate that show by the by the end of it for some reason. He he didn't really get along with Sybil Shepherd very well. And uh, I don't think he had really good experience. There's a there's a reason why you never really saw him do any TV after that. There is no way that they would shoot minors and show them on television, especially mm -hmm. in a private residence like that. Mm -mm. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. It's as simple as that. I know they want to portray journalists as slime buckets and, you know, assholes for just doing their jobs, but no, no TV station would run um, shots of kids. Well, it's just like at the beginning of the movie, he had his gun strapped to him in an airplane. <laughs> they do a lot of stuff that just wouldn't happen in reality. That's a lot of C4. That wouldn't just take the building down. That would take out the whole block. Ouch. Oh, wow. That's a tiny color TV, too. Oh, that's how he found out that, that, that that's his wife. I don't know what firing the gun into the air was supposed to accomplish, but you already have their attention.
How many kicks to the face can you take before you lose consciousness? It's like the Tootsie Roll Pop question. <laughs> I said that. My wife said more than you think. I was like, how do you know? How many times have you been kicked in the face? <laughs> I had the same question about how many times John Wick could get hit by a car before, like, you know, dying. Yeah, internal injuries and stuff. There's Al Leong again. Yeah, still standing. I think he's still alive, too. I think he's still around. Why are they taking everybody to the roof? Just so they won't get shot? Yes. I guess so. No, Not just so the bank the bank goes. The... Right. I think they're pretending to bring the hostages so that they have the leverage to get the helicopter. And then once they're yeah. on the copter, just destroy the entire thing. Blow the blow the whole building up, yeah. They're ruthless. All this happened, and Bonabidilli still doesn't have a hair out of place. Wow, that's escalated. Well, no, you know, it escalated at an appropriate pace, I think. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oof. I saw online that you can buy a, a storybook version of this. It's, it's written like it's a kid's storybook, but it's the story of Die Hard, like it's a Christmas story. <laughs> I've come close. I know. <laughs> Oh, goodbye, Al. Why would the vault be on the 30th floor? Seems like you would want it to be underground.
<laughs> what do you think was going to happen, John? Man, he came very close to hitting that bolt sticking out of the <laughs> sticking out of the ground when he landed. He, is he trained firefighting personnel? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I also don't think. that um those uh fire hoses are rated for what he's going to use it for but that this stunt that he's about to do is one of the things that happened in the book that did make it into the movie which i think it would have been very interesting to see frank sinatra doing it at 75 years old You live in New York City, man. <laughs> cool guys don't look at explosions. <laughs> The thing is, when you're that close to an explosion, it's not the fire that kills you. It's the sound wave. It liquefies your organs. You have to Pretty be like much. two kilometers away not to die. So <laughs> everyone in that building's dead. So much broken glass. <laughs> He's about to get pulled out the window. They they used to do a um we've got a, a six flags theme park. couple hours from here and when i was a teenager they used to do a stunt show it was a batman stunt show it they, they started doing it right after the first uh uh tim burton batman movie came out and they did like a big it, it, explosion during the during the show but it was just a fireball i mean it wasn't like a real explosion it was just a fireball which is what a lot of this stuff is they just They add in all the explosion sounds and everything later. But if you're there on set when they're doing this, it's not, you don't hear all that. You just see a big fireball. Mm. But man, when they, when that fireball goes off in that show, you can feel the heat from it when you're sitting in the audience. They do another. They do one at Disney World like that too. That's like an Indiana Jones uh, stunt show. Was Argon just taking a nap during all this? And nobody's like, hey, there's a um just a random limo here in the parking garage. Where's everybody else's cars if there is a Christmas party going on? They all Ubered. They're very responsible. They knew it was all gonna it was gonna be like blow and mm -hmm. champagne. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a good question. There should be cars. But yeah.
Maybe that was just a visitor's garage. <laughs> what is he sneaking up on him in a limo? <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard you have to punch somebody in the face for them to like get uh, knocked I mean, clean out like that he was just you know <laughs> in in a major crash I'm not sure if that little skinny argyle could hit him that hard from that angle <laughs> mm -hmm. over his head like that You have any ointment for my feet? <laughs> That's who you're looking zombie, zombie walking in there, yeah. So their intention was to escape in the ambulance. Mm -hmm. An ambulance that the police knows has not been called, right? <laughs> John Wayne walked off with Gary Cooper. Progressive. That's the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> right in the forehead. I'm not sure that tape would have stuck to him as sweaty and bloody as he is. I have had they, uh, enough. They said that uh, this stunt right here, you. The, the guy holding the cable that um, Alan Rickman was hanging from, told him, I'm going to drop you on the count of three. One, two, and then dropped him to get that reaction, to get that face. And of course, he's falling towards a green screen. Hmm. Ugh. 
Yeah, that's the sweatiest, bloodiest kiss she's ever had. Oh, gross. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> all that paper, that's the bearer bonds, right? So somebody's having a Merry Christmas. These mother... And across the room, their <laughs> eyes met. I see you. And their bro's heart grew three sizes <laughs> that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it the Christmas movie. There and, you uh, go. And That's then he it. whips out the Mentos because he's fresh and full of life. They have to. <laughs> they have to have all the paper falling to be the the snow for the because there's always snowing at the end of a Christmas movie. They're back together now. I don't need no man. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they always come back for one more. Mm -hmm. One more breath. Way to go, Al. It's been revolt. This music cue sounds like just like the end of Wrath uh, of Khan or something. But it does. <laughs> it does. A lot of people don't realize that the Wrath of Khan is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you fucking start with that. <laughs> I feel like if there was hey, a Christmas Star Trek, it would be Dagger of the Minds. That's the Christmas episode. That was. With Dr. Noel. Mm -hmm. Mariana Hill. Yeah, I've been here for a while. I've just been listening because I couldn't, I didn't even want to try to catch up with the movie. Oh, okay. what i'm saying there you go i like and they they keep that in the sequel when you come back in die hard 2 he's got a restraining order against mm -hmm. her <laughs> for punching him it's true sir this just man has off? no dick like he can't he can't just go the car is wrecked the this is ridiculous yeah well 
This just strains credulity. Of, of all the things in this movie, this strains the credulity hey. the most. They don't build them like they used to. All right, who can name this singer? Lucille Ball once <laughs> called them old leather tonsils. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that is because I always thought it was like... It's Vaughn Monroe. Oh. All right, well, that is our commentary for Die Hard, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. It's just the credits now. Big Johnson and Little Johnson. There you go. I look forward to listening to it. (laughs) All right. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. Uh, Why don't you guys let everybody know where they can find you? Rick? Uh, You can find me crouched under the table in a fetal position because the holidays are here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Chris, what about you? You can find me watching Dagger of the Mind, the Christmas episode of Star Trek, or <laughs> A Little Miracle, the Christmas episode of Quantum Leap, quantumleappodcast.com. All right. Neek? You can find me watching Generations, the Star Trek Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> or Perfect. <laughs> or you can go to superanemic.com to read my weekly Star Trek recaps. Virginia, what about you? Um, you can find me watching. I wish I could remember the name of the episode title, but you know the Doctor Who episode with Charles Dickens and the Ghosts. So that's what I'm doing later. And also, wait, you've still never seen um where we talk about movies or TV shows that I or my guests have not seen. Is that the one with the fish that float around in the sky and stuff? No, the flying sharks. That was a Christmas yeah, special, did. but yeah, they did. A this Christmas one wasn't Carol. a Christmas special. This one was like three episodes in. Oh, okay. Like it okay. was still Christopher Eccleston, and it was like Charles Dickens, and like, um, oh, it was when Gwen sealed the rift in Cardiff or wherever. Okay, okay. This was I'm thinking of a Matt Smith episode. Um, no, yeah, Tom that's a different one. Uh, you, can see me, you could see me watching any one of a thousand uh, variations of uh, Christmas Carol, but Mickey's is the best. Or you can see me hosting What's Your Head Canon, where we answer the questions that the writers couldn't be bother, bothered with on the Infinite, Infinite Potato Network. All right. You can find me here and at that Star Trek podcast, and you can find me. Um, watching Die Hard over and over again, <laughs> and uh, and on uh, on Monday, Christmas Day, you can find me watching the new Doctor Who special, Christmas special that I'm very excited about. Um, but until then, this is Cosmic Potato Super Fan Talk Podcast. Thank you all for listening this year, and we'll be back next year with some new stuff. Uh, John's not here to tell you what he would say, but he'd probably say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So goodbye. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.
You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. Or support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.